big idea, but so young. It will never work. Zero experience. We'll see. Welcome to Dorm Room to Boardroom, where the journey from campus to corporate isn't just a story, it's a roadmap for the next generation of game changers. Join me for today's exciting discussion as we chat with Josh Belinsky, CEO and co-founder of Slate Milk. The company got its start at Northeastern University, where I happen to be an alumni, and has raised over $21 million, not to mention they're an official partner of UFC. Josh, welcome to the show. Thank you. And I would get a slap on the wrist if I didn't talk about my better half, my co-founder, Manny Lubin, who is also a Northeastern alum, three years older, so a little before your time, but uh, yeah, it's been an awesome ride. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely want to dive into that because one of the hot topics, I think when you're just starting a company in college is how on earth do you find a co-founder? And hopefully it's not just turning next to the, the, to the person next to you and randomly asking them if you want them to be their co-founder. <laughs> I don't think it's too far away from that. I mean, maybe not the first time you meet them, but uh, once you get to know somebody as a as a human being, I think that's the first and foremost thing beyond any of their skills or talents. It's are they a good human is going to be a lot more important than anything else. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll definitely dive into that. But first, just to give some context to the listeners, uh, I like to do like a 60 second intro. So okay. who you are. Where you uh, founded the company, which I alluded to, Northeasterns, but sorry, spoilers. <laughs> um, and then just kind of what Slate Milk is all about. Sure. I'll try to do it in 60 seconds. I tend to make long stories longer. So <laughs> Slate was born because my co-founder and I grew up playing a lot of sports. We loved chocolate milk, became lactose intolerant, couldn't have it anymore. But we knew that there was great protein and electrolytes in there. So we wanted to keep it in our diet somehow. So we started drinking the lactose-free stuff. Uh, a lot of the brands were kind of embarrassing to be associated with. So we went over to the protein powders and the meathead things that were full of artificial ingredients and didn't make us feel very good. So we went back to drinking just lactose-free chocolate milk. But as we got older, we started to care a lot more about what we were putting in our body. And a lot of those chocolate milks were high in sugar, um, spoiled very quickly, just had a lot of issues with it. And so we said, what if we just created a chocolate milk we could selfishly drink every day? That's how the brand started. And what we learned is while the people love the taste of chocolate milk, really the reason why people are drinking a product like Slate is for functionality. When people are consuming calories through beverages, they want function. Um, they don't want all the sugar and other stuff. So um, people are drinking Slate for protein. So we say we are a strength brand. We sell high protein, indulgent food and drinks. And so your favorite childhood drink of chocolate milk, you now can consume with 20 grams of protein and no sugar in it. And it's lactose free. And then we took our, our next most popular beverage that him and I drink a lot of, which is coffee. And we created a high protein version of that as well. So today we have six major flavors, three protein milkshakes, we call them now, um, and three protein coffees. And it's been a lot of fun. The team has grown like crazy. We were very close to having 50 full-time people on the team all over the country. Uh, we've had an incredible group of investors and advisors and, and people around us the whole way. And uh, I never thought I'd be able to sell chocolate milk for a living as an adult. And it's a pretty awesome job to have. So it's been a very, very fun ride. I guess the last thing is we're, we're now going to be in over 15,000 grocery stores across the country in the next couple of months. So wow. very cool to be able to basically go to any state and, and find our product in the store. Hell yeah, that's incredible. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, what stores? Because I kind of want to go buy some now. <laughs> uh, all over. So... Walmart, Whole Foods, Wegmans, Albertson Safeway, 
Kroger and all the banners that are kind of under those names, like Ralph's for you West Coast people and things like that. HEB, Publix. So really like a lot of the, most of the major retailers, I would say from a grocery perspective, the big untapped market for us is going to be convenience in the next couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. Would you ever partner with a company like GoPuff? Uh, oh yeah. Like We're the one in New York is called Getter. Oh, you're on there. We're on GoPuff. Getter oh, is, go. is hopefully in the pipeline for some time soon. Yeah. If they're listening. <laughs> yeah. Come get slate milk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wait, that's fascinating. And this is, I mean, this is so cool to me because for the listeners on this, Josh and I were talking about this before uh, the episode started airing, but basically I was a student at Northeastern. Josh is a little older than I am. So I think the way we knew each other to begin with, I was a student in a marketing class and Josh was one of the clients. So I worked with Slate when they were super baby company, uh, trying to like figure out, you know, why people would drink it, customer research, like whatever you do in a marketing class. But, uh, <laughs> that was my first kind of impression of the brand was like as a student, which is pretty cool. <laughs> that is cool. I love it. It's my favorite. Like I, Manny and I both go in probably at least one, if not both semesters at Northeastern, or we've done a couple other colleges as well. We've done Wentworth. We've done a college of Illinois. Uh, and it's just so much fun because a, like it gives the students hands-on experience, which is what I always really wanted when I was in college. But also it genuinely does help us. Like we still have like a research section of our Slack channel with all of your presentations and all of everyone's presentations so that anybody that is interested in, you know, it's a late on a Thursday night and you don't know what to do and you're watching like a Thursday night football game and you want to scroll on your phone, like looking at an old research project, there's little nuggets in there that the company can still use yeah, absolutely. That is so cool. Talk about a hack too. Uh, we're yeah. all about that, like how we leverage the college and university programs to just get free work. <laughs> <laughs> and it's good too. Yeah, absolutely. High quality. I mean, people in college, especially what I've noticed at Northeastern students is like the work people want to produce is so incredible because it just helps them in the future too. And it's the greatest way to learn. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. We did a, a fair amount of that at Mount as well. We take co-ops now too, which is pretty fun. That's awesome. Um, so Josh, you've done some pretty incredible things. Sorry for my stalking, but uh, yeah. you know you were on Shark Tank. You've raised over twenty million dollars. You're also a partner of UFC. Like, walk me through some of that journey. I think Shark Tank is fascinating, especially for consumer brand, because yeah. what I've heard, and you can maybe validate some of this, is that it's like you know three to five million dollars in marketing just going on the show that you're not actually paying, but that's what you get in the viewership. Um, yeah, I, I don't even know how to put a good dollar aspect on it. I am not the marketing guy, but I, I could see how if you're paying a dollar a view, that's, you know, three to five million views, I think, is the average watch for those episodes. And uh, it was an incredible experience. I mean, we, we talk about it, it's like an entrepreneur Super Bowl, right? Like it's it's the biggest stage you can really be on as an entrepreneur. And so when we got interest from the show, we hadn't even launched yet. And so we always of course talked about like this would be a great shark tank item but the opportunity to do it i think from a, a timing perspective yes we were very early but it aired so much later that we were in the market and for us it was just it couldn't have been better in terms of brand awareness i could say that the show could have gone a hell of a lot better yes uh, i do remember watching your episode <laughs> oh yeah just got absolutely shredded on national television as we say very often great for the brand tough on the ego which at the end of the day, that's all that matters anyway. It doesn't matter how Manny and I might be like, ah, we didn't look the best because the brand is out there. The brand is, has done really well off of it. And still to this day, a lot of people find out about Slate from the reruns of Shark Tank. 
So I'm I'm happy to be up there, get being on the chopping block a little bit if uh, if it helps just create awareness because most consumers when they watch the show don't necessarily care what the sharks think. I would say that probably ten or fifteen of the most successful companies ever to go on Shark Tank either didn't get a deal or didn't take a deal. So I use that as fire to uh, oh yeah you know I think Ring was the most notable. Yeah, yeah, billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's kind of like sharks are to me, like almost normal investors, like the majority of them tell you no, and it's a terrible idea. And they're so wrong. Yeah, exactly. And I think the hardest thing is, I would say that 90 plus percent of our investors, I could be speaking for them here. But like the majority of the reason why people invest in businesses, in my opinion, is because of the human beings on the other side, especially when you're less than 50 million in revenue, call it. Oh, absolutely. Um, definitely when you're less than, you know, five or 10 million in revenue, they're, it's they're betting on the on the jockey, not the horse. And so when you're up in front on stage there and you're in there for less than an hour and all five of them are talking to you at the same time, there's no way to build a relationship like you do with other investors. So they're going off of such little information that it makes great TV, but it's not really how investment conversations go, as you know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And then uh, Mr. Wonderful just jumping in and <laughs> reaming you guys. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Not really how investor conversations go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I guess like what, when was Shark Tank in your journey? Like, were you still at school? Were you graduated? What was that looking like? I had a unique college experience when I was a freshman. I was the first employee at, uh, an energy bar company that was made on campus. I know it well, eat your coffee. <laughs> yeah, they're great. Um, so really, really good dudes. And we did that for a couple of years. Um, you know, they kind of took the bull by the horns and ran it for seven, eight years. Um, pretty successfully. But the first couple of years, I was just helping formulate stuff and um, helping find the initial co-packer and selling it to local Whole Foods and Star Market. And it was a really good experience for a couple of years. And uh, I chose to to move on and became an early employee at a tech company and was there for about three years during my third, fourth and fifth year of school because Northeastern is five years. And uh, that's where I say I got my MBA. That's where I say I learned everything. It's I learned by failing on my own, kind of the three of us were at the energy bar company, but this tech company, there was five co-founders that had all sold their previous companies. And so for me, it was a lot learning from them. And the best thing that happened there, not only learning from those guys and how fundraising works, how investment conversations work, just being able to absorb as much as I could from multiple team members there. But I also saw a company go through three different pivots, three different business models, which not a lot of people get to see all the time building pricing structures, building a sales team, and ended up being able to hire my own boss, actually, uh, who I learned everything about the sales process from. Like I, the other reason why I feel like I know how to run anything sales related today is, is because of him. So um, it really gave me the stepping stone to be like, all right, I have two experiences being an early stage employee. I really want this for myself. I just want to make sure I have the right person with me. I, I learned pretty early on that I really, I thought it was going to be super important for me to have a co-founder. And, uh, and I met Manny. Manny was an early um, client at my tech company. And we just became friendly and realized that he is very much like brand marketing, innovation forward looking. I'm much more like day-to-day -day sales ops, get things done now. And we we're like, that would be a, a great partnership for potential business. And we kicked around ideas for about a year. And uh, it was all tech related. But uh, then we were joking around about how we're both lactose intolerant and love chocolate milk. And that's when Slate was born. Absolutely. So how did you meet Manny? Literally. So he went to Northeastern. He's three years older. He also grew up 15 minutes apart growing up. But we didn't, 
we might have met in school, but we actually think uh, the first time we met was just through the tech company. He, I don't know if he signed up for the platform. I got introduced to him, but he had a, the largest job board in the country for brand ambassadors on college campuses. And they were looking for a development company to build it. And my company was connecting startup CEOs to service providers. So we hooked him up with a software development firm. And that's how we started talking and realized we both went to Northeastern and became friends after that. Wow, that's incredible. So what was the timeline and process like from when you first met him to when was it like you straight founded the business or like how did it form into Slate? We met in either, we probably met in 2016, maybe end of 2015. Uh, I can't get the exact date, but we, so we know each other for at least a year, year and a half. And then in October of 2017, Manny sent me a PowerPoint deck at 11 o'clock at night with a few beginning slides of making better for you lactose-free chocolate milk. And so that was like initial idea. For the next month, I was like, you're stupid. We're not doing this. This is ridiculous. But if you want to go do it, I'll help you like on the side kind of thing. And over time, he just kind of convinced me. So, you know, two to four weeks later, we, we decided to do it nights and weekends. And we did it nights and weekends from November of 2017 until um, June of 2018. So I graduated from Northeastern in May of 2018. My now, my then girlfriend, now fiance, uh, and I went on a trip to Greece and took a big 10 day trip, got my phone stolen the first day I was there, like a stupid touristy traveler. And I just, normally I'm very attached to my work. And when I was there and got my phone stolen, I felt this like release of like, I just don't care anymore. And that's not don't care, but I don't feel the same connection to the previous tech company that I used to. And if I don't feel that way, it's not fair for me to be there. Startups are so hard. You need everybody giving 150%. So I got back from Greece, I quit. And then Manny and I went full-time on Slate in June of 2018. So that was day one full-time. And we didn't end up actually holding a finished can to be able to sell into the market until October of 2019. So it was almost a year and a half later by the time it was actually in the market. Wow. So one super transformative trip. We're big yes. at that at Mount. We love yeah. to travel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Also trying to steer you away from the tourist trap. So yes. next yeah. time you'll have to use us. <laughs> yeah. Don't put your phone in your back pocket like a dumbass. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. Horrible, horrible travel story. But you know, good outcome in the end. Um, so when you went full time on Slate, did you guys have funding yet? Or was that just a huge risk where you're just like, I'm just going to probably eat some ramen for a very long time and, and make yeah. this work? We were very lucky. I, I talk about this a lot. Everyone's like, oh, anybody can be an entrepreneur, start their own business. I feel very lucky that I live half an hour away from my parents. And I knew that like, well, I don't think they would love, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they would enjoy it, but I don't think they'd be like super excited. Like our son has to move home because his business failed. But I knew that that was always an option. I had worked all through college, as I mentioned, I had a, a kind of a savings that I had put together that, you know, I was still paying off school, but I knew that my savings were going to be strong enough. And I also caddied for 12 years, which is kind of good cash on the weekends. So I kept caddying on the weekends to kind of help fill the gaps there. And Manny coached youth baseball and a couple other things as well. So we were making money on the side. Plus we had our savings and we knew that if everything went to crap, if we spent all of our money, we were, we knew that not only could we crash on our parents' couch, but that we felt confident enough in ourselves that we could go get a job at another company and, and get ourselves back on our feet. And so that's how we felt comfortable taking that risk. 
Um, but no, we didn't take a salary for the first year and a half and we didn't raise any money. So full-time June, 2018, the first check we got, uh, was from uh, somebody actually in the Northeastern community, um, small check to help us do our initial formulations, which was the end of 2018. And then, um, the beginning of end of 2018, beginning of 2019, um, uh, we got an investment from the first sales broker for Chobani. So I had met him a couple of years prior at a golf tournament randomly and, uh, got paired up and started chatting with him. And he was like, if you would want to invent the next Facebook, you call me. And I remember I called him and I was like, it's not Facebook, but it's milk. And he's like, that's so stupid. No, thank you. Uh, but anyway, a couple years later, he ended up joining the team as our kind of first major investor. And the beginning of 2019, we were off to the races. So by the time we had launched, we probably raised about 200 grand from angels in the Boston area. And right at launch, our first production run was in the six figure number and we needed to go raise some more money. So we, uh, we by the time fall rolled around, we had probably raised a little over half a million dollars to really get ourselves launched into the market. Wow, that's incredible. Um, you know, it's funny because I think one of the main questions I get asked now is from other like founders and, and people starting is like, how do I get angel money? Like, where are these angels? <laughs> uh, and like, how do I find them? And I'm like, it's not, it's not like that. It's, it's more like you just go out and network. And I do think golf is like, a very underrated way of networking. <laughs> like, yes, the the men that are in their like fifties and sixties absolutely are like golf. Let's go network, but yeah. that's just them having fun. Uh, yeah. But caddying, like getting yourself out there, like you meet crazy people. It's just such an insane way of networking. Like, I don't know if you're trying to find some angels, you might want to go play some golf. <laughs> go play some golf, go caddy. And you know, I think that over time that has become, it's like, you know, the, the rich old boys club, right? Like that's not necessarily something that I think golf has changed a lot. There's a lot of youth in golf now. I, I, there's a lot more people that are interested in the game. It's not just these country club people. And, you know, while I met Stu there, um, the, the Chobani guy, like it, it's not, he is probably the only person that I did meet networking through that world. But I think to your point, you find your spots, you find where networking is. You're super into climbing. At your climbing gym, you talk to enough people, somebody's going to know somebody that's interested. And that's the thing is when it comes to angels, what we found is just by getting out there, getting the product out there, getting the product in people's hands, people tasting it, people will eventually be like, are you ever looking to raise money? Oh, yeah. Or like you have people starting to come to you with it. And then also, if you bring it up to somebody who might be interested or might have a wealthy friend or family member, that spreads as well because the family member wants to get involved and then their rest of their family is like, oh, well, if they're getting involved, I want to get involved. And it's a numbers game. I mean, Manny and I have probably emailed or reached out to or like had a conversation back and forth over email with multiple thousands of potential investors. And we've probably actually had conversations either on the phone or in person or on Zoom with easily over a thousand. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, to raise Mount's first round, which albeit took like five tries, uh, I talked to over 400 investors and that was just for our pre-seed round. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. That's a huge benefit of having a co-founder, right? I, I mentioned it again, but like if you have two people doing it, you cut the time in half and or if you, somebody needs to be on an investor call, but there's something operationally that needs to happen, you can't actually divide yourself in two because you have two people. Yeah, absolutely. And correct me if I'm wrong too. That's kind of how you guys got UFC as a partner. The founder or CEO, whoever it was, like just loved your milk. Basically, he was a, he was a user. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Get the product in people's hands, and and 
for anybody that's involved with Slate, whether an investor, a brand ambassador, anything like that, they have to love the product. I don't care who you are, what following you have. If you don't love the product, people know when things are inauthentic. And so, yeah, Dana White, who's uh, the CEO, previous president now CEO of UFC, um, got on a health journey. He was super overweight, had all these sleep conditions and everything else, and decided that he wanted to lose weight, started eating cleaner and, and needed more protein in his diet and, and tried some Slate and loved it and started drinking it all the time and decided that he wanted to be involved in the business however he could. And so Dana's been an incredible partner to Slate um, and now the UFC as well. The UFC is an incredible organization. The, the people there are just, they are just the nicest, most down to earth, whatever they can do to help you. And the brand of UFC is growing so fast across the country right now uh, that it's just a great partner for us to be aligned with where Slate's future vision is when you think about health and fitness or sports and fitness, you think of hydration, you think of Gatorade on every sideline, you think of Powerade, body armor, what have you. And for us, we believe there's a massive opportunity for something that's high in protein or a protein drink or company to be associated with sports and fitness. And we don't think anybody's really done that yet. We think muscle milk kind of did a while ago, um, but we think there's a lot of space right now. And so we want to be synonymous with protein in the entire world of sports and fitness and UFC is kind of a great way to start. That's incredible. I love that vision and mission. And I would agree with you. I think too, I mean, I can speak for, for Gen Z cause I am one of them, but uh, <laughs> like when I see Gatorade, when I see Powerade, like we grew up in school with people just bringing out bags of sugar and basically being like, this is your Gatorade. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I feel like we're pretty health conscious and that's not really what I want to be putting in my body right now. <laughs> I'm with you. But you need to hydrate somehow. And I also am uh, the person that was, you know, playing lacrosse, basketball, soccer, and drinking chocolate milk on the sideline. Yeah. It's crazy how many D1 programs actually give their athletes chocolate milk, like after games and practices. Like they just they'll give them like the school carton of chocolate milk. And it, I mean, hey, it's it's great because you get the electrolytes and protein there. But a lot of people weren't drinking it for the sugar and the lactose, which is the sugar that just hurts their stomach, gives them acne, whatever. And so this gives people the ability because it's lactose free to drink it no matter what. And a lot of people drink plant-based milks just because milk doesn't make them feel good, not because they're like excited to drink an almond or oat milk. Oat milk, I think a lot of people do like the taste of, um, but it doesn't really give you any nutritional benefit. So if you can get something that's nutritionally beneficial with protein, electrolytes, everything like that, but not sacrifice the, the tummy issues, as we call it, then it's a win. Yeah, absolutely. Big believer of that. Uh, you have me sold. I'm going to go buy some after this. <laughs> <laughs> so one question I just love to ask because I think Mount and myself have had just countless oh shit moments now where I'm like, oh, I don't know if we're going to be around tomorrow. Um, what is one that comes to mind for you when it's like, oh shit, looking back, Slate might not be here, but you are, uh, you know, spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just, I don't know if it's stupidity or naivete or just maybe a little too much confidence in ourselves. I don't know what it is, but I have never truly had that feeling of there might be a day where Slate doesn't exist. Manny and I are so like, we, we've known from the beginning that there's such an opportunity and such a market for this. And we just selfishly wanted a chocolate milk that we could have every day. And the fact that we can drink free chocolate milk now is like a win in itself. So I think that for us, again, I, I don't, I don't know what combination of stupidity, naivete, or cockiness or confidence, who knows, 
But no matter what happened between the two of us, it was always another step forward, another step forward, another step forward, no matter what happens. But there's been a thousand things we've royally screwed up. We've had cans get labeled incorrectly off the production line that we had to go, you know, we had to catch, pull over and, and redo. We've had product freeze and then unfree when we like one of our very first runs way long ago and it, be, it made, gave it like a um not chunks but like it gave it like too thick of a consistency when people drank it after it unfroze so we had to get rid of those cases and you know kind of troubleshoot that but that was like back in 2020 or 2019 um all the things that you can think about that could go wrong 1000 percent do go wrong and then things that you've never thought of just happen and it's just you know, being an entrepreneur, you're rolling with the punches. And, and the most fun part about it is nobody's going to fix it but you. And it's the hardest thing, but it's also the most rewarding and, and best thing possible. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, just a emotion roller coaster over here, yeah. <laughs> basically by the hour. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, awesome. Well, we are getting towards the end of the episode. Um, so, one thing I want you to potentially leave our listeners with is one piece of advice, given most of our listeners are in college or thinking about starting a company, uh, wanting to start a company, don't know where to start. Like, What's one piece of advice that you would uh, float out there? Two ones that I mention a lot, I'll, I'll cheat, cheat and do two smaller ones, is the first one is just start. A lot of people are like, I don't know how to start. I don't know where to, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And it's how do you start a business? And Literally start by Googling, by talking to your friends and telling everyone you know about your idea. Nobody's going to steal it. Execution is so freaking hard that everybody's probably already had every idea already, but it's actually executing well on it. So just start, get the idea out there, talk, tell it to as many people as possible and just start on Google and researching around. There's a lot you can accomplish there is, is the first major one. And the second piece of advice is to create your own personal board of advisors. A huge fan of this. It's for me right now, if I have a relationship problem, I know who I'm calling. If I have an ethical problem, I know who I'm calling. If I have a financial problem, I know who I'm calling. Um, operations, whatever. You start to create this board of advisors that's not just for a company, but you can have it as a, a human being, an individual, because life's hard and you, you definitely want to have people you can rely on for that. And some of my personal board of advisors are people that I met volunteering, people that I went to high school with that I was born into the family of, or that I literally just cold reached out to on LinkedIn being like, I would love to pick your brains. I think what you've done is super badass." and one out of 10 of them responded, but that one person is now one of my closest friends. So definitely don't be afraid to reach out to folks and start to build that network for yourself of people that you can really trust when you have hard decisions to make. Yeah, absolutely. I would definitely second, well, both of those, mine is always, you know, just get started why why aren't you really um my second one is that uh board of advisors is absolutely true and also when you're in college no one says no to helping a college student so you really should yeah. just leverage that because the immediate point i graduated i couldn't leverage it anymore and i was like dang <laughs> now i need a new thing yeah. um but one of my professors mark bernfeld i don't know if you came across met northeastern no. genius man um he basically you know, noticed I wanted to be an entrepreneur, had been kind of floating some ideas around and just offered. He's like, I really see the potential in you. I want to mentor you, like whatever you need, come to me. Um, and so there's a lot of professors out there like that. So I would basically look in your inner network and just see who's been really supportive over your time at college and university and 
teachers and professors are professors because they like talking to students. They want to see the impact. They want to help. You really just have to ask. Um, yeah. So I would definitely yeah. float that out there as an action step. Like go write down a few people to ask and ask them next week. <laughs> also on that same vein, if you go on LinkedIn and just look at every alumni of Northeastern, just filter by alumni, cold outreaching to them, instead of just, hey, I'm a college student, please help me. It's I'm also at Northeastern or also went to Northeastern. I'm also a Northeastern alum is also a really easy way to kind of have that common barrier. I love helping our alumni or current students, whoever it may be, like I'm very Husky strong over here. <laughs> yep, I agree. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Josh. It was a pleasure having you on the show. I'm glad you got to tell your story. We might have to have you back to do a specific Shark Tank deep dive because <laughs> I'm fascinated how we can get more people on the show um, yeah. and maybe do kind of an expose of the sharks like you never know. <laughs> but for now, we will leave it here. Um, so appreciate it. And we will drop some show notes below on where people can contact you, reach out, buy Slate, whatever you want in the show notes. Um, and then best way for them to contact you, LinkedIn? Yeah, LinkedIn. You can, if you want to see content of my fiance and my cats and a little bit of slate, you can follow me on Instagram. It's just Josh Belinsky. But hit me up on LinkedIn um, and slatemilk.com. Everything you want to know about slate, slatemilk.com. Our store locator is on there. It is keeps it up to date based on actual product scanning through the register. So it should be as up to date as possible. And uh, go get some and try it and let me know what you think. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Uh, and until next time.